It's our 37th episode of Package Design Unboxed with Joe Fernandez of Vera Bradley. Before we get started today, I want to tell you about idpdirect.com. It's the only factory direct packaging manufacturer with their own factories in both China and Indonesia. They've got showrooms across the planet. International direct packaging, they don't source packaging factories because they are the factory. Learn more at idpdirect.com. All right, so let's talk about today's show. My name is Velio Matos. I'm the host of Package Design Unboxed. Thanks for joining me to learn everything there is to know about packaging. We've got a killer guest today, Joe Fernandez. One of the things I've learned over the years is how packaging can affect all aspects of a business. It's one of the topics that we dive into with Joe. We learn about how packaging can impact a quarter of a billion dollar company like Vera Bradley. Packaging is an industry that solves problems. From transportation, warehousing, inventory, finance, IT, automation, systems management, packaging impacts them all at a cost in both time and money. So if you're developing a product, if you're getting ready to launch a startup, if you're considering going into packaging as a career, this episode is loaded with key insights that are going to help you make better business decisions when it comes to packaging. Also, if you're enjoying these episodes, please leave a review and share this podcast on LinkedIn, share it with anybody that you know that's into packaging and help build our network. Our goal continues to be to create a collaborative space where we can all learn about packaging, either designers, if you're a buyer, manufacturer, or anybody that's just interested in packaging. Cool. Let's get to the show. For anybody that's not familiar with uh, you and Vera Bradley, can you give us a little uh, introduction? Uh, so Vera Bradley is a women's accessory and handbag luggage company uh, based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, we do quite a bit of mall business and uh, increasingly uh, e-commerce business. And for myself, um, I went to RIT, got a degree in packaging, started my first job right out of school working at Cascades in um Connecticut, you know, working right next to a corrugator doing, you know, domestic corrugated design work. Um, you know, my, the beginning of my career was not as glamorous as it is now, for sure. Uh, I was working in was what was basically a garage uh, <laughs> next to a corrugator. So if it was, you know, 30 degrees outside, it was 30 degrees where I was working. So you went to, you went to RIT. Yeah. What program did you do there? So I actually went there, started with accounting and very quickly found that that was not where I belonged. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I just needed something a little more tangible uh, for the rest of my life. Sure. Instead of just crunching numbers. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of learned about packaging um, from some folks that were living on the floor that I was on at the time and, you know, really kind of piqued my interest. And I'd never heard of it before. You know, clearly packaging is everywhere, but you never really think about who designs it or engineers it at all. What drew you to packaging? Yeah, so the my RA at the time was working at Gillette, the the razor company, and yeah. just hearing about some of the projects he had done uh, and the hands-on aspect of it, you know, really kind of drew me in and made me look into it a little deeper. Sure. And as you did, as you did that, was there like one specific thing that you're like, oh, I got to get my hands on there, or it was just like everything? It was. I would say what really locked it in for me was after my first semester of packaging, walking into a Sephora and looking at all the different, you know, cosmetic and perfume and cologne packaging that they had and thinking, wow, this is so, you know, look at this, look at this like spot <laughs> gloss or this, you know, coating that's on this particular package or wow, that's so cool how they did that. 
that really sealed the deal for me, you know, early on. RIT is heavier in the engineering side of things, correct? It is heavy in the engineering side of things. And it's been a while since I've been there, but I remember there being a very strong push to not ignore the business side of things. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, the designs that you're making need to contribute to the output at a company. Of course. You know, they, they don't live in a vacuum. So and that was always... It always has been kind of really part of um, you know how I design packaging and how I engineer packaging programs. When you're talking about the business side of things, you know, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. So, you know, when when you look at a product that you're packaging, you know, obviously you've got a couple of really basic things. You you know, want you want to protect the product. You want to have an attractive package. Um, but beyond that, you have to sell this package internally at a company. You know, you might think a package is great. Hey, it's it's amazing. It does all these things. Right. Um, but Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it doesn't fit the shelf requirements at key accounts for for a brand. Um, and you know, considering those things as you design and at different stages of your design process. So is that is part of that just learning the different materials and kind of costs and understanding the production process as well as supply chains? Is that a big part of that too? That, that's a huge part of that. Um, so RIT requires you to do a co-op uh, for most of their programs. Packaging is. I think six to nine months. And I did my co-op at Fisher Price out in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, incredible learning experience. You know, first off, you're working with toys all day long, which is really (laughs) cool right off the bat. Um, But then you get hit with like, whoa, it's not just as easy as designing a package. Uh, You know, there's all these other departments you have to kind of sell your idea to and incorporate their concerns. You know, the marketing department has their concerns about size and what's displayed on the package. Um, and, and, you know, managing those relationships, you know, along with having to design an engineer and consider materials, um, you know, really makes packaging way more than just like a straight engineering or design type field. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the things a lot of times people forget or, uh, you know, either young designers or student designers think about when they're, you know, they see beautiful packaging. They're like, oh, man, that designer just, you know, crafted the heck out of that thing. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, there's like a hundred people involved in that decision to get to that point. You know, there's, you've got supply chain, you've got materials, you've got production, market, so many different people that have to have uh, their input into it right. in order to sell it. Absolutely. Um, so that's, a, that's great about RIT. I, I've, you know, I've, I've spoken to a few different professors there, uh, but just kind of learning what, you know, what somebody that's graduated from the program, what they're, what they're prepared to do when they come out is, is pretty amazing. Um, so you you went into this corrugator in a garage, and you're you know you're you're freezing in the, in the winter, you're burning up in the summer. But what did you learn? What did you learn in this corrugator? Like you know, is that something that you recommend people do? Is 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 get on the floor and get dirty? Yeah, I you know I, I would absolutely recommend anyone that has a chance to visit any sort of industrial manufacturing facility, uh, go for it. You know, seeing how the the corrugated is actually made and all the problems that can happen in that process before you even get to a press or die cutting or printing um, is pretty amazing. And that really sets you up for being able to identify issues with packaging, you know, later on in your career. You know, after you've seen and spoken to someone that's working a press uh, and the issues that they run into, like maybe, you know, your press is, uh, let's say, 80 inches long 
you know, that doesn't mean that your blank size can be 80 inches long. And you might not know that if, you know, you hadn't gone and gotten your hands dirty and, um, you know, picked up a cutting die. What does a cutting die look like? You know, I know a lot of packaging engineers that have never picked up a cutting die or um, had their hands cut by the blades on a cutting die. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think any opportunity you get to see how the, the sausage is made, so to speak, is uh, certainly valuable. You spent some time there. And how do you go from this garage, which I'm assuming is just covered in dust, right? Corrugating is corrugating is not a clean, you know, it's not a clean room for sure. Uh, So how do you go from that to Vera Bradley? Yeah, so I was like I said in kind of New England, New York area, and I just needed a huge kind of change in my life at that point. I said. You know, next kind of interesting opportunity that comes up, I'm going to take it. Like, let's go out west. Let's see what what else is going on in this country. And uh, I had a good friend at the time who was former roommate living in Portland, Oregon, said, "Hey, we've got an opening for a designer. Do you want to come out here?" I'm like, "Yeah." So I I interviewed and um, kind of fell in love with the company. They were called Paxus at the time. Now they're Billerud Coarseness, and. Moved out there um, for about four years, working with U.S. brands, producing their goods and packaging in China, Southeast Asia. Well, and those guys are a distributor, or did they produce also? They produce, so they they have an they produce paper. So it's a Swedish paper company, and uh, the kind of portion of the business that I was working with was um, managed packaging. Okay, so helping brands manage their packaging sure. uh, overseas. So that's that's a lot of great experience, also, because that's now on the. It's still on the production side, but you're you're kind of working your way in to into these brands, right? Yeah, so that that was kind of paramount and crucial to kind of where I got now. Um, there, I'm working with a couple dozen brands at a time, and when you're outside of the brand, it's very hard to affect change and kind of talk to those really like key stakeholders to move a project along. You know, you think, hey, this is going to save them a ton of money. There's no way they're not going to go for this. And then they don't go for it. And you're like, well, what happened? It, it was so obvious. Um, and getting into Vera Bradley, now the the other side of it is really interesting to see. Like, oh, you know, it's not just, hey, it's a great idea. Right. And it can save the company money. It's you've got all these hoops to jump through. You've got all these people to buy into your idea uh, before it gets moving in any traction anywhere. Sure. So how long have you been with Vera Bradley now? Three years this month. Well, I hate to say, like, what's your... What's your day look like now? Because today's today doesn't look like anybody's day ever. Uh, but on a normal in a normal year, what does uh, you know? What's your day consist of? So the the bulk of my day, well, I won't say the bulk of because every day is a little <laughs> different. Um, you know, my days get split into kind of two sides. It's uh, part of it is what's happening overseas. The other half is what's happening in our distribution center. So the things that I'm working on overseas are packaging for our products, primary packaging, transport packaging for our products. And working with our factories there on how to package things, folding patterns for bags, folding patterns for apparel, carton sizes, carton dimensions, just making sure that everything they're ordering on their end, as far as packaging goes, falls in line with our requirements. Um, that's the factory side of it. I'm also working with our packaging suppliers and helping them get set up with new designs, um, tweaking packaging designs, seeing if they have any ideas on on something. You know, if we've got a new product, uh, you know, sometimes it's great to say, "Hey, we've got this. Do you have any ideas?" Right. And and you know, having them come back to us with you know some some ideas maybe we haven't thought about. Sure. So you you talked about primary packaging and then transport packaging. Um, you know, for Vera Bradley, like what's the difference in those two? So our product is fairly unique. Uh, it's, if you're not familiar with it, our handbags have very loud patterns. You can spot them a mile away. Uh, they really speak for themselves. 
So there's not a ton of primary packaging when it comes to those items. When we get into smaller items, uh, phone cases, phone accessories, um, then you start seeing things like smaller cartons, integrated hangers, um, maybe some plastic hangers. Uh, for the most part, though, we're we're looking at how a bag is folded, uh, desiccant or antifungal um, packaging materials that are integrated into the packaging. Um, that's kind of what we talk about when we talk about primary packaging. Yeah. Also, then, one thing that we've noticed or I've noticed is uh, a lot of companies, anything that's printed on paper that goes with a product falls into, hey, it's packaging. <laughs> so I also deal with uh, hang tags quite a bit. Sure. And then the little fold outs that explain, you know, oh, yeah. how to wash it and all, all that good stuff. All that, so uh, and then what, what about like the what about the trans the transport packaging? Yeah. So the transport packaging that, you know, that's really a big focus of ours right now and of myself is looking at our transport packaging and how do we make it more sustainable? Uh, how do we lightweight that transport packaging? How do we make sure that we're using materials that are either coming from recycled sources or are 100% recyclable? Uh, what does that look like? How do we communicate that to the end consumer? So cartons and poly bags are kind of the the main two packaging categories in transport packaging for us. Okay. And then is that transport from your production facility to distribution centers? That's right. Okay. And then what happened, what typically happens with that packaging? So it, it comes in from your production facility to your DC, and then what happens with that packaging? Well, once the product gets stacked and stored, uh, after it's been, well, let's see what does happen with it. It's a good question. Because <laughs> um, a lot of times, uh, a lot of brands, what they do is they, they'll pull the product out, they'll collect all that packaging, they'll destroy it, right. and then go through recycling. Yeah, we don't. We Those, those boxes actually live uh, with the product until they're totally empty. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So the people at our DC pick product out of the cartons. Mm-hmm. Um we're just recently started to look into other options as to how we manage product within the distribution center. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a. I mean, the DC, the DC world's a whole another uh, problem to solve, right? Your your yeah. transport packaging showing up, uh, and this is you know again, this is like the these are the this is how the sausage is made. You know, when you're in packaging, these are the problems that you're solving that you didn't think you'd be solving, right? It's right. Uh, it's like you're you're getting you know a transport box that's got twenty large duffel bags in it. Uh, but if you were to fit 15, then maybe you could fit another layer of transport boxes on a pallet or, you know, put in an extra pallet into a container. And, you know, right. all of that math that kind of goes into it is, is kind of the fun stuff. Uh, so with that, now, you know, product leaves the DC and it goes to consumers. Uh, I'm assuming you guys are growing e-com like everybody else. Huge. Right? <laughs> it's just like a whole nother part of the business nobody thought was going to explode as, as much as it has. Um, what what's your involvement in the development of like ecom packaging and how do you approach ecom? Yeah, so the ecom is really interesting, um, and that's one of the biggest kind of areas where I see growth as far as automation goes, uh, and I think that's going to be huge in the next few years. Um, I know for us, COVID definitely woke us up to hey, our overnight our e-commerce skyrocketed. How does our distribution center keep up with that? Um, how do we keep our standard of delivery time uh, with all this increased traffic? So we're looking quite a bit at automation for poly bags and cartons. What we've seen with COVID is the amount of people ordering from home increased probably 150 percent. Sure. And how does RDC keep up with that pace? How do we have the same quality? control with our packaging? How do we have the same standard of delivery time? 
Uh, you know, and the answer to that is automation. You have to figure out a way to get more out of the same amount of people and more importantly, the same amount of space that you have. Um, you know, most DCs are kind of pretty packed tight. So if you have a very large automation solution that you want to try to get into an existing space, it might not necessarily work out very easily. Uh, and it might also take quite a bit of time to engineer that into a space. So the sorts of things that we're looking at are automation solutions that fit into the footprint we have available are fairly easy to deploy and integrate with our WMS. Uh, that being, you know, really, uh, you know, you've got quite a bit of engineering that has to be done running air, uh, electricity to power a machine. You don't want to also add quite a bit of load to your IT system uh, and have something that's really difficult to integrate with your WMS. What's a WMS? It's a warehouse management system. And you're in packaging. I am in packaging. Right. <laughs> so again, <laughs> it's one of those things that you get into packaging and you picture, I'm going to be making these beautiful boxes. You don't realize how deep into the business side of things you've got to really get. And the decisions that you're making impact a slew of people. So right. as an example, um, you know, how does your packaging you know, impact uh, the WMS of the DC? So it can be quite difficult. So uh, I'll give you one example where we started implementing an automated polybag machine. Works really great. Boosted productivity from having one person being able to pack out uh, like 40 orders in a minute to like double that. You know, they could just grab product, throw it in a bag, seals the bag, applies the label. Actually, it's a direct print label, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, removes a ton of thinking, just really speeds up the process. Uh, but then you have to tell your WMS, hey, we need orders that are this large to go to this particular bagger. We need orders that are that large to go to this other particular bagger. And that logic may or may not have existed before. So you've created this new, like, new challenge. It's an IT challenge, not necessarily a packaging challenge, uh, but you've got to work with these other departments to help them understand your side of the, the, the problem and kind of how to come to a solution. And you know that ends up involving people that have to set up new conveyors, uh, people that have to work on the logic and the WMS. Uh, so it, it's, it's quite a bit of work um, to get a really small, you know, almost tabletop sized polybagger uh, up and running. Yeah, and of course this is all during the time when business is booming and yeah. you don't have the time to devote to setting something up and, and making right. sure everything functions. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what everybody's, sol everybody's solving for today. Yep. Awesome. So then when we get to packaging, right? So this is all the backend stuff, like every decision you're making is impacting everybody else down the line. And what's great about packaging is that you do get to work with all these different departments and you learn, you know, you're, you're learning, you know, some of the IT stuff, you're learning, you know, what it takes to pick and pack. And, you know, you're, you're learning all these different areas of the business, which is great. Uh, but then how does that filter down to the packaging that you're actually designing? So when you actually get to the computer, you flip on Adobe, you know, Illustrator, Photoshop, whatever it is that you're working in, how do, how does all the how do all those decisions filter down onto screen? Yeah. So one of the one of the big impacts we've seen to how e-commerce is fulfilled is the cost of shipping a box versus a poly bag, you know, with carriers implementing dimensional weight. So one of the things that's heavily considered now is can this ship in a poly bag? If I have this nice package for this widget, will it get ruined if it's in a poly bag? Am I, am I better off putting it in a poly bag friendly package uh, and being able to save two to three dollars shipping in a bag versus in a box? Um, and you know that adds up very, very quickly. Uh, you know one, one way that kind of works is if you have an item, 
that cannot ship in a bag, it automatically gets put in a box if it's with other items that can ship in a bag. Mm -hmm. So now if you have a very small item that can cannot ship in a bag, you have these large items that can ship in a bag, you're now pushing that whole order into a very large, very expensive to ship box. So is that something then that you're looking at, you know, you would split an order? Well, that also gets a little more complicated because <laughs> consumers generally like to receive their orders all together. Right. Um, especially if you're shopping, you know, our brand where you might have uh, an order that consists of five different pieces all in the same pattern. Consumer wants to get their whole, you know, little set of that collection together. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, to split an order into two, you know, now you've got two packages that are kind of running separate. One might get lost, one might not get lost. Um, you know, it, it's it's just another order to manage. Yeah, it, it gets pretty yeah. complicated. You know, you've got your everyday packaging, you know, and it, it's going to consist of shopping bags and rigid boxes or gift boxes. And then you've got seasonal packaging that kind of shows up. Uh, what's, your, what's your role on the design, on the actual graphics and structural decisions that are that are happening on 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 pack. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting one. So the way packaging works at Vera Bradley is I actually fall under the quality team. So when we're doing a seasonal item or something unusual, um, say something that has a liquid in it, like a liquid phone case, um, I work on the structure part of it and we try to keep our structures as evergreen as possible and have the, the graphics vary. Uh, so I'll pass the structure off to marketing. They'll kind of work up what they need to work up as far as uh, graphics for a season. And then when we get those back, uh, I work with the quality portion of our team and make sure, hey, is this a choking hazard? Um, do we need to have any special warnings on this? Is there any disclaimers that we need to have on the package? Uh, those sorts of things. Sure. So as far as the creative side of the uh, artwork on the package, uh, I, I've got enough on my plate. There's a team... <laughs> There's a team that rocks at doing that stuff. Um, you know, my component is working with our quality team, making sure that everything that's on the package uh, is true mm -hmm. and that it's been verified. So if we have something that we want to claim is BPA-free, uh, you know, I can certainly pass that off to marketing and say, hey, make this thing say it's BPA-free. Uh, at the same time, I have to go back to our quality team and say, hey, we want to put this on the package. Can you make sure that this, <laughs> this claim is true? Since you are working on the structure for, for this product, then are you looking at, collapsible structures? Are you looking at ways to save space? Um, you know, what kind of material are you selecting the materials uh, in this as well? We are. So for paper packaging, 90% um, of it is FSC certified paper. And to help kind of cut costs and to make things easier for our factories that are actually producing product, uh, we try to stay away from rigid packaging that takes quite a bit of space at their center and uh, is in some cases a bit more expensive to produce. So we try to keep everything knocked down flat, um, you know, really easy to put together. Uh, you know, one thing to consider when you're doing packaging is, and this kind of goes back to, you know, things that happen beyond the, the iPhone box, is how long it takes to pack a package. And there's a cost associated with that that folks may not be aware of. You know, if you've got a package that takes five seconds to put together, You've got another package that maybe looks, uh, you know, twice as good, but costs three times as much to put together because it's that much more complicated. Uh, you might go with that simpler to put together package because you, you know, you you have to pay for labor at some point. You know, labor is definitely not free. Right. <laughs> right. No, that, that's a, that's funny. 
that's something I definitely I talk to clients about too. And when you when you're building something, it's like, yeah, this, you know, just look at how much time it actually takes to assemble. And depending on the distribution center you're working with, when you when you talk about picking and packing and assembling things, I mean, sometimes there's dis- distribution centers that will charge you per touch. So if they've got to lift a flap, that's one cost. If they've got to fold another flap, that's another cost. And even though it ships flat, you've saved 20 cents. If it requires 10 touches to assemble, pack it, and ship it, then you just rack up, you know, two dollars. So you've right. saved two bucks. You've saved 20 cents to spend two bucks. Um, and again, it's these are the problems that you solve as a packaging designer that you didn't know you were going to be solving. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. So. So what's the most exciting packaging you've worked on at Vera Bradley that you're that you're most proud of at this point? You know, this one's really appropriate for the time, but uh, you know, a year ago, Vera Bradley was not making face masks at all. I mean, no one was. It wasn't really right. on anyone's radar. And overnight, we started making face masks. And well, wouldn't you know, they needed a package. Uh, so that building our face mask packaging program, um, one of the most stressful but rewarding things uh, I've done at the company for sure. You know, we we got this team, this really diverse team from you know all over the company to come together and say, hey, we want we want all of this communicated on a package for a mask. Is it doable? Well, yeah, sure, it's doable. Uh, when do you need it? They're like two weeks. <laughs> two weeks? What? Um, so mad scramble to get this packaging designed. Uh, mad scramble to land on a structure, change our mind about the structure three or four times, uh, and then lay graphics out on it over and over and over again. Um, but you know, it, it really goes to show you that your your interpersonal relationships within a company, within a brand, um, with your vendors and your suppliers, that can really make or break the development of a package, uh, especially on a really short timeline. Um, you know, one thing we learned is, you know, you need a certain amount of trust. Right. You need to trust that your graphics person knows what they're doing. You need to trust that your packaging person knows what they're doing. And, you know, if you can do that, your your process goes a lot smoother than than it could. That's awesome, man. That's definitely cool. Um, so as you continue to grow in your packaging career, how do you how do you see the profession changing? I think there's going to be a bigger focus, um, at least from what I've seen uh, compared to when I started. And that might just be my own growth. Uh, but looking at numbers, you know, looking at a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, which is what I was trying to avoid doing when I left accounting, right. uh, looking at numbers and data to help shape how you design a package, how you select materials, how you select a design um, is going to be increasingly more important uh, and will really help drive the creative process more than people think. Um, you know, one example of that is when I look at our suite of e-commerce boxes. Now they're not, you know, beautiful boxes. They're they're brown RSCs, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, when we look at how does that, how can we optimize that? You know, what I'm doing is sitting down and looking at fill rates for all our different box sizes, sure. and saying, hey, you know, what's underperforming? What's performing well? Um, and for those that are underperforming, is there a particular product or set of products that is making this particular box perform poorly? And is adding another box size that's you know X by X by X going to raise the fill rate of all these other boxes? Um, so I, I think that's really going to drive how we design not only transport and e-com packaging, uh, but even you know beautiful retail packaging. You know, we've got a, a group of wholesale accounts. They have these requirements. Can we kind of put all that data together and figure out our primary package needs to be these dimensions to be in compliance with as many of these accounts as possible? Um, and if we can do that, then we've already kind of have a, a base template for what our design would be. Sure. And when you're so when you're talking about fill rates, explain that to me. 
Sure. So say you've got a 10 by 10 by 10 box and you've filled up half of it, um, 50% fill rate. Got it. So it's, you're talking about, you know, volumetrically how much you're right. How much capacity you're taking up in that box. And then what do right. you, when you're talking about poor performance of a specific size, what does that, what does that look like? So really anything under 80, 85% start kind of looking at it a little deeper. Um, you know, is, is a third of this box empty? And why is that? You know, if we consistently see that we have a certain amount of headspace, what's causing that? Can we add a box that's just maybe a little bit taller than the actual product that's filling most of these boxes to help bring up that fill rate? Got it. And again, this is the stuff that you try to avoid when you left accounting for packing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's like they're just pulling three pennies on this box. <laughs> they're, pull, they're pulling you back in. Accounting <laughs> wants you. <laughs> That's awesome, Joe. So as we kind of as we wrap up, man, students that are at RIT now that are studying online and they're getting into packaging, what's your advice to them? Like once they graduate, what should they be looking for? I think they should be looking for every opportunity they can to get into a facility, to see how packaging is treated at an industrial level, to see how packaging is made, um, really design and engineering. The, the kind of base for all of those is manufacturing of your material and converting of your, your final product, your package. Um, so I, I think if you have a really great base and understanding of those processes and you know the different components that go into that, you'll be way better off for uh, an engineering career or a design career. That's awesome, man. Absolutely. It's always important to to work with production, see how it's made, see how it's assembled, disassembled, uh, because just that experience alone, I mean, that's going to take you through your entire career. Yeah. Otherwise, you're you're learning it through, you know, school of hard knocks where you're making mistakes, <laughs> learning from those mistakes, which is great, but you can avoid a lot of those uh, if you do the work up front. It's not glamorous by any means, but no. man, it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, Joe, if anybody wants to get a hold of you and they want to learn more, uh, where what's the best place they can reach you? Uh, LinkedIn would be the easiest, quickest way to get to me. Awesome, man. What I'll do is I'll have uh, links to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, uh, okay, as well great. as Severe Bradley. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate you being on. Yeah, great, great being on with you.